0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Brenna Nath. I'm the H.W. Plus and Events Director here at H.W. Media, subbing in for Sarah Willer. I'm excited today to be joined by Managing Editor James Kleiman to talk about all of the coverage and points of interest on our news site right now. That's including home builder sentiment, what's going on with M&A activity, mergers and acquisitions, for those who don't know, along with a lot of earning calls. I think we're still at the beginning of earning seasons, but there's even more to dive into there. But Before we kind of jump into a lot of the juicy details that's going on the website right now, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO. In collaboration with their broker partners, they designed Power Plus, a next generation broker technology platform that offers a fast, intuitive interface with features and functionalities to empower a best-in-class lending experience. With an enhanced guided workflow, the loan process is more efficient, accurate, manageable, and convenient. The platform speeds up the process at every step, minimizing the time brokers spend on the platform. At PennyMac, being tech forward and human focused is why greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions
1: may apply. James, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Brenna.
0: It's always a pleasure when I get to be the one doing these. Um, One, it's great for me to hear and learn, uh, but also super excited because these are topics that I'm passionate about and care about. And I think our listeners are really interested in knowing what exactly is happening in the industry, especially because things are changing so fast and everyone's extremely busy,
1: which is probably an understatement right now unfortunately not everybody is busy and, and this is the cause of a lot of the layoffs. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it depends on really who you are and what kind of role you're working in. Right. So if you're, if you're a mortgage processor in, in a lot of, uh, originators are, are just really cutting those staff positions, uh, you know, by 50%, 75% in some cases, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's pretty unfortunate, uh, same with underwriting, but you know, if, if you're, um, you know, in another kind of role. If you're, let's say, a lawyer working on uh, mergers and acquisitions in the mortgage industry, you, you're probably uh, busier than you've ever been. So, you know, it's like like in any market, right? There are some people who are going to be busier, some who are going to be slower. And, and we, we kind of find ourselves in that really strange place.
0: That's such great color. I definitely think I'm in an echo chamber on LinkedIn for some sentiments, which obviously the people who typically post on LinkedIn are the CC executives and the leaders. And those are the people who are busy even just being strategic, but such a great point on um, with every cycle shift, you have people that are busy and some who don't have as much coming across the desk. And that kind of dives into really well the first area that I would love to hear more from you on, which is homebuilder sentiment. What's great about this coverage that we have on the site right now, it's something that we've been covering for a while. So you have a really good picture of what we've been following for the last month's year for what the sentiment was around home builders, home builder sentiment, to what things are today. So maybe can you set the narrative? I know we like to talk about where things are now, but maybe a little bit of color on where we came from and how things were before.
1: Sure. So, you know, if we're going to jump in our way back time machine here, all the way to the good old days the the 2020 and 2021 once uh, once kind of the spook of of covid uh started to evaporate for home builders in late spring 2020 it's been it's been business has been booming i mean absolutely incredible for home builders they were posting better margins than they've ever had there were so many Prospective buyers for their homes. And of course, you know, there was a massive inventory shortage because there just weren't a lot of homes built between, you know, really kind of the Great Recession and uh, up until very recently. And so, you know, you have this huge demographic demand as well, these shifting um, ideals in terms of. Live work and all kinds of people like ourselves, Brenna, who get to work from home, which is uh, you know, depending on one's perspective, the greatest thing ever or a a huge and terrible uh, thing that has happened to our our workplace and our sense of workplace culture. Um, But but this is great for home builders, and so you know they're they're building homes at a a pretty phenomenal clip, and they have more demand than ever. The problem, of course, well documented major supply chain issues, major labor issues. Um, you know that a lot of home builders couldn't find garage doors. You know, and and that means in some places you can't get, you know, a certificate of occupancy, and and you can't like officially sell the home, right? And so, so yes, there were problems there, but you know there were so many buyers for these homes, they literally could not build them fast enough, and their margins were quite. Quite chubby. They had, you know, twenty five percent, thirty percent profit margins uh, for some of the big home builders, and and so you know it was just an incredibly great time to be a home builder, despite you know the lumber shortages and the labor shortages and and uh, and all that, um, you know. But but in a lot of respects, you know, home builders kind of live and die with demand. And as mortgage rates really started, uh, not just that they were high, it's how quickly they jumped, you know, it just before, I mean, you could snap your fingers and suddenly you're like, wait a second, how did mortgage rates get to five and a half percent? Like what happened? You know, I mean, it was probably beginning of the year, they were in the threes, right? Maybe, maybe very low fours. Um, And, and now, you know, depending on where you are, depending on your credit score, depending on your DTI, et cetera, et cetera, like, you're in the mid sevens. You might even be higher than that. If you're getting non-conventional, you know, you're in the nines, the tens, like I mean, and it's not like housing prices have have dropped significantly. And we'll talk a little bit about, you know, the deceleration of prices um a little bit later. But but the really the main point here is the demand absolutely evaporated. And so today, if you're a home builder, you know, you you have a lot of homes that um, you've already sold and that's great. And hopefully you, you kept your cash and and uh, you, you're smart about allocating your resources um, and, and capitalizing on the great boom of 2020 and 2021. But now you're looking at major price cuts. You're looking at buyers walking away from, in some markets, you know, 30% of deals. And you're now looking at um, having to maintain or develop relationships that you didn't previously have to attend to um, because like I said, like, you know, you could, you could put up a, a sign for sale, you know, new, new home subdivision, and you'd have a line of buyers outside every house. And, and today, because mortgage rates were so high, the cost of financing is, you know, in a lot of cases about double what it was less than a year ago, um, there's just no demand and, um, and so it's it's really tough for the home builders. They're they're going to try to close out the inventory that's already you know um, either completed or um, getting closer to completion. But given that we're probably going to see rates remain pretty elevated for a long time, um, you know at least a year or two. Right? It's not like the home builders are going to say, "Well, you know." I'm just going to start building all these homes that I purchased the land on um but haven't you know put a shovel under the ground in. So um it it brings us to a pretty unfortunate position in 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 the housing cycle for everybody and uh it's it means that sentiment is really low and we're going to see consecutive years in which um existing or new home sales are going to drop and we just don't know by how much.
0: That so the article for current day. So James just set this wonderful narrative for kind of where we came from, the kind of your point, the golden days of 2020. I bought my home in 2020. So I am part of that growing statistic of everyone who bought a home. Also part of the statistic of people who bought a home and then have a kid because that's why you buy a home. So, so, which James is also in that world. Um, this article headline, one, Great headline, James, for those who are on the website, it's or this one's actually on Realtrends, so realtrends.com. We remember who pays us and we remember who doesn't, which digs into agent commissions and incentives are on the rise as home builders try to convince buyers to pull the trigger by Brooklyn Hahn, one of our great reporters who really digs in. And I love the source work she did in this article, which I think you're gonna touch into and dig into more, James. But so how, knowing what you just said, the narrative, what does it look like today? Like can you dig into this headline of we remember who pays us and we remember who doesn't?
1: Yeah, so the uh the person who says this, this quote that is the headline is is a real estate agent who often does buy side deals. And during 2020 and 2021, uh you know, there were so many agents that had buyers and those buyers were under a lot of strain, a lot of pressure to try to get a home because demand was insane and there was so much competition. I mean, I don't know about you, but I was in a multiple bid situation when I bought my home, given given that you're in Colorado, Brenna, you know, one of the hottest markets in the country. I imagine it was the same for you. And um, yeah, and so there were so many people who were looking to buy homes. And, and a lot of people wanted new, you know, because I, I think it's just, a, you don't have to worry so much about the inspection. You don't have to worry like, hey, is this, uh, is this basement going to collapse? Or um, is this a safety issue or whatever? You know, it's, it's new, right? It should be, it should be, uh, you know, made well, it should be um, something that can last for a very long time. And so the demand was so, so crazy for these home builders that if you're a real estate agent, they're just not going to pay your commission. You know, it's very much dependent on uh, demand for home, buyers, uh, home builders, excuse me. And so if you're a real estate agent, you still have to do all that work, right? Because you are, you, you have a, a, you have an obligation, you have a legal obligation, uh, an ethical obligation to your client to put them in the house that they want. But if your client ends up after 20 failed bids or, you know, driving around neighborhood after neighborhood and in, in the suburbs of, of any town USA uh, and they don't get anything and they find a, a new build. And at that point, you know, their rate is, their mortgage rate could still be around two, seven, two, seven, five, right. And they pull the trigger on, let's say for argument's sake, like a $450,000 house, right. you know, that, doesn't require the home builder to pay the agent, the buy-site agent. You know, in some cases they'd pay 1% or they'd pay a nominal uh, fee. And um, and it, it really, it bothered a lot of real estate agents because, you know, their time is valuable, of course, right? And if you're still doing all that work and your client ends up buying a home, but you don't get compensated for it, you know, it, it calls into question a, a lot of, um, I think, general best practices in terms of compensation in the industry. you know, and, and I know a lot of people have different opinions about what that should look like and whether the commission system as currently constructed is even equitable in the first place, but we, we don't have to uh, get into all that today. It's kind of a, a can of worms. But, um, but let's fast forward. So, you know, now let's say you're a buy-side agent and a year ago, two years ago, you took a client to let's say, newly constructed townhomes in uh, in San Diego. And you walk into the sales office and the person, you know, the, the sales staff says, look, we're just not going to pay you. <laughs> it's not going to happen. But today, if you do that, there is a very, very, very high chance that when you walk into that sales office, they are going to give you the full commission split. You're going to get your two and a half, three 3%, right? Right. And that is because home builders desperately need buyers to close on those homes. And where do you get buyers? Well, you generally get them from the real estate agent, right? I mean, that that, that is the source of leads if you are um, in this business for most people. And uh, not only are they starting to pay commissions again, they are up in the ante and then they're you know, even offering new incentives, like if you go in a contract this weekend, we'll give you a $5,000 bonus. Um, you know, some of the agents told Berkeley that they'd even seen $10,000 bonus offers and 6% commissions uh, in In the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Some builders were even offering up to $20,000 in bonuses and 5% commissions. And and so, you know, there's still not a lot of inventory uh, and this isn't true in all markets but we are definitely seeing uh, a major change in how builders uh need to compete because there are still you know they're competing against uh you know existing home sales as well right and um and those sellers are also having to take price cuts in a lot of markets not in every one of course you know this isn't a monolith uh every housing market is like a little bit unique right so um not exclusively true but um, it's it's a huge shift in how they operate, and you know a lot of the real estate agents, you know, do that headline. Um, they don't forget, and maybe they're not as willing to take their client to that new build as um, you know as they would have been unless they're getting heavily incentivized.
0: It's an interesting note, too, because I've heard twice now we were on a company town hall the other day and we had this uh, great talk with Chris Heller. And then also one of our H.A. Plus members, someone who works at side, had these quotes um, around this sentiment that we all know. There are, I think the statistic was over last, I'm not going to pinpoint the year it was, but there's more agents and there were homes available, basically, like there's so many real estate agents in the industry. And uh, right now it's a time for the good agents to shine because there's so many. So the good agents, uh, it's kind of this, I don't know, the, maybe my word choice would be like this reckoning of the ones who are good and people are kind of searching for the one to get them in the house. It's interesting because in that world, you have um, these agents, to your point, who are I mean, the ones you do get in with that shift, the ten thousand dollars commission, the six percent or ten thousand dollars bonus, six percent commission up to twenty thousand dollars. Do you view? Um, is it even? I guess my question would be: It's an interesting opportunity for agents too for maybe them to still sell a home. But at the same time, um, maybe the buyer also doesn't want to wait for that. Interest rates is still a huge play in it. They're competing with existing home sales in that. Um, I think earlier in this podcast episode, you even mentioned home prices, whether prices are rising or depreciation, which is another big factor. Uh, But it's interesting. This article really focuses on the agent market. And I think there's a huge, um, huge might be the wrong word, but there's a lot of them. And so I think this year... Agents are, are either looking for work or the ones who are busy are still busy and trying to – you kind of end this article with the sentence um, – Builders are going to have to work harder. Agents are going to have to work harder. So there might be opportunity here for some of those agents, but at the same time, there's all these other variables. And so maybe my question here for you, James, is let's dive into those other variables. Let's dive into how is home prices um, impacting this? You mentioned that at the beginning. How are um, existing home sales, so the homes that are already built on the market, kind of adding in extra caveats to this home builder sentiment?
1: Yeah. So uh, let's start with uh, prices. There there is a deceleration. We are seeing, you know, the the incredible uh, gains of 2020 and 2021 are slipping. They are uh, actually going negative in some markets. You know, we are starting to see uh, a major shift in, in, um, you know, pricing and value. And it's it's not like we could see 18%, you know, price increases forever. You know, there was no way that would be a sustainable practice and, and you can't just list your home and, and assume that because your neighbor sold uh, a similar home in 2020 to someone who was desperate to get out of LA or San Francisco or New York and would pay anything because they had a ton of money from tech or banking or whatever. Uh, and, and money was not an object. Um, that doesn't mean that that's the same market that you're selling into today. Right. And so, you know, in, in some markets, You're going to probably continue to see increases in in prices, um, probably a few percentage. And and it totally depends who you ask, right? You know, the forecasters, um, the the professional economists who do this in the housing space have huge ranges. You know, you see everything from, you know, the market's going to drop. Prices are going to drop by ten percent, you know, fifteen percent over the next year, and others think it's still it's going to go up, you know, five, six, seven, eight percent. Um, others think it'll be flat, and and others still think it'll drop a few percentage points or or increase slightly by a few percentage points. And so, it's really hard right now to say, you know, what exactly is going to happen. I, I again want to reiterate that a lot of these markets are are maybe not unique, but I, I wouldn't compare what happens in Boise to something that happens in Philadelphia, you know, which has been maybe a more stable market, you know, certainly prices have gone up in the Philadelphia area. Um, but they didn't shoot up 50%. You know, you didn't see this incredible, uh, you know, acceleration in, in home prices and values. Um, and so there are probably going to be markets that decelerate more quickly than others. You know, I, I think very likely areas around, um, you know, Boise, for example, right? Uh Austin, you know, places where we saw fifty percent, sixty percent appreciation very suddenly. Certain neighborhoods near you, Brenna, probably in, in a similar bucket, right? Um, but it's it's still too soon to say. So much of it depends on the ability of a buyer to finance. I think demographically speaking, there are still a ton of millennials and other people who are looking to break into the housing market who would still love to buy, who are still, you know, having kids and, uh, you know, downsizing, upgrading, you know, there, there are, Still, very sticky factors when it comes to home ownership, and the demographic trends remain very favorable. But the financing um, is is still a major problem, and it's just too soon to say uh, what happens with regard to the Federal Reserve and, and rates and and how the markets respond to that. But I, I think most people that you speak to expect that the the market is going to be. I don't want to say negative. I, I think negative connotes um, a, a different a different feeling because there are people who take advantage of what are considered negative markets every day, you know, um, and vice versa. And, um, but, but certainly we're not going to see, uh, you know, similar conditions to 2020 and 2021, uh, 2021 by a lot of measures was the outlier. And I think we're now starting to get back toward, you know, what a lot of people believe is, is normalcy. Um, you know, but normalcy is, is, not uniformly good or bad for anyone, right? So it, it really depends on, on what position you're in. If you don't have a huge down payment saved up and you are looking to buy right now and you need to finance, uh, you know, let's say 90% of your purchase, you are in a very, very tough spot unless you are willing to get a fixer-upper in your handy and, and uh, you know, maybe you and your, your father-in-law or you know, ready to take on a major project or something, right? Maybe you want to take advantage of like, you know, an FHA 203K or a Fannie HomePath, you know, renovation kind of project. But yeah, conventional financing these days, really tough. QM really tough, you know, just the rates are really high and your, your cost uh, to borrow is, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars a month and not everybody can swing it, you know, and, and inventory hasn't kept pace, we are still below 2019 inventory levels. Um, I don't expect it to dramatically increase. We just talked about the home builders and, you know, their incentives and their incentive is not just to build, 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 uh, no matter the economic conditions, even if there are people who want to buy, right? Like they need people who can buy. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough market for a lot of people, but, but to your point, uh, to Chris Heller's point as well, um, it is going to be, uh, an area of opportunity for a lot of agents. You know, we're probably going to see, oh, I I would expect a few hundred thousand agents to drop out to just, you know, you need, you need to feed yourself, you need to feed your family. And if you can't close deals, if you can't sell homes, you don't have clients, you know, you don't have leads that, that you can close a deal on. um, You're not getting a commission. you, You can't make money, you know, and that, that, means you leave the workforce, but there are always going to be good agents. You know, people have been doing this for 15, 20, 25, 30 years. And, um, and they've been through a lot of different market cycles and, and they can adapt and, you know, and they're disciplined and they're practiced and, and they, they're not going to get you know freaked out by um, maybe three months of, Ooh, my pipeline's really thin, you know? So like I said, it's, it's good for some people, really bad for a lot. Uh, for those it is good for, I think it's a good opportunity to grow a lot of market share. And, and we're going to see that, I, I, I think, in both mortgage and a real estate brokerage as well.
0: This question, I might, I wouldn't say I'd be throwing for a loop, but I'd be curious if you have any color around it, James. And if you don't, that's fine too. Um, you know, with construction, we focus at Housing Wire, Real Trends, we're single family focused. Obviously, there's a multifamily factor here. Apartment rent is something that goes up. Um, the people who aren't going here kind of go that direction. Is there any color that you would possibly give um to I think, and I'm not gonna once again quote years <laughs> with these sentiments, but I remember chatting with like the Urban Institute. If you look at the shift you mentioned just then, we're very low on inventory. We just talked about home builder sentiment. It doesn't look like that growth is going to come from single family properties being built. Is there any shift in the multifamily building? Like I know in the past, because one went down and maybe multifamily, I think was building just a little bit more. It was still down, but they're constructing. I look around my neighborhood and we're building so many apartments. Um, but to your point, home prices have kind of shifted quite a bit. I watch it a lot Um, uh, what else is there to do, but stare at my apps and look at the homes in our neighborhood going on sale. But is there any color that you would add there about every buyer who's saying, no, I'm giving up. I, this demand, they obviously have to live somewhere. Are they all going to, I guess, the apartment
1: world? Yeah. A lot of them are, you know, and, and, in some cases, it means that there's going to be multi generational living, right? So you, you live with your parents, right, or or your grandparents, or or you know, uh, childcare costs have also accelerated quite a bit as well during during the last few years, right? And so 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 people are going to find situations that work for their specific family unit, right? And and in some cases, I think that's going to mean living in an apartment. Uh, we still have uh, a lot of people who want to live in cities and cities is where we're finding a lot of this multifamily construction. The um, I, I believe it was the Commerce Department uh, had a report, I want to say it was like a month ago, so late September, and, and they found that uh, apartment and condominium projects in August uh, hit their highest level in 36 years. Um, and again, this is just starting construction apartments. And and so that's great, right? That that's really good. We need housing of all kinds. I, I know that, as you said, we are very single family focused, uh, but people live in apartment buildings. People should live in apartment buildings. It is highly efficient. You know, they're often near transit. It is globally good to be reducing your, you know, your your carbon footprint and, and all kinds of other, uh, you know, footprints. It's it's ecologically sensible, and and you know, a lot of jobs are still in these major urban centers. So, you know, there should be a lot more construction of these multifamily buildings, uh, you know, especially near transit, um, whether it will keep pace. Um, it does not look like it. You know, we, we did see that the number of multifamily building permits fell pretty significantly in August. And, um, you know, that that generally is because, you know, the same conditions that that are affecting the home buyer of, of a single family unit or, or even a condominium or, you know, a co-op in, in you know, in certain areas, um, they're affecting builders too, right? So if, if you're getting quote quoted, uh, you know, interest levels in, in say the sevens or eights, what do you think a multifamily developer is getting quoted? You know, they're, they're not getting three and a half. They're not getting four. They're not getting five. You know, we're, we're, we're going up and up. And and those are by definition, much riskier projects than, you know, a a single person buying, buying a home. Um, and so it it does appear that that's also going to cool a little bit, but people have to go somewhere. I, I think it means, you you know, in some cases you have a roommate now and, and you previously didn't, right? We, we have reporters who are in that position uh, here at Housing Wire. Um, you know, you live with your family members when maybe you previously didn't have to and, uh, you know, where you get a smaller apartment, right? Even, even if your family hasn't shrunk. So um, you got to live somewhere. You know, you need a roof over your head, whether it's a single family uh home or whether it's multifamily. So so th- those are the trends right now and, and hopefully, you know, we'll see rates come down uh over the next year or two and, and we can, you know, incentivize builders in other ways, you know, and in some cases it gives them it means giving them uh you know density bonuses to build to build more units, you know, on on uh, on the same footprint or you know relaxing zoning restrictions in general in a lot of areas. And we're starting to see that uh, bit by bit, you know, there, there's still <laughs> a lot of resistance uh, from a lot of uh, existing homeowners and, the and, uh, you know, folks, especially in, in um, you know, in the cities, uh, they just, they don't want, you know, they don't want a building next door that, that previously wasn't there. They want to keep their view. They want to keep, you know it's always the same, you know, boogeyman argument, like, Oh, our sewers can't handle it. Oh, the schools can't handle it. Oh, it's always, it's always something there's always an excuse, but, but, you know, those people are very influential and, um, and they, they're still largely successful in keeping out a lot of new development. And, um, you know, we're seeing small victories and I believe it was Gainesville, Florida recently uh, abolished single family zoning as, as a requirement, right? It doesn't mean that you can't build a single family structure, but, um, you know, the zoning requires, um, or, or the zoning enables you to build much more, which is great. And, and you know, we saw this in Minneapolis as well. We, we've seen this in some other areas on the West Coast. And, you know, the, the U.S. has never really fully reckoned with, um, you know, its, its density issue. And and I think that's going to have to happen if, if, you know, we're going to really incentivize the construction boom that we need to house. It depends who you talk to, but we are short a few million units of housing in this country.
0: That's such a great point. Um, and I think I know I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that we were going to go into m and activity and other things. But honestly, there's enough in home building. Even you just mentioned zoning right then. a We'll probably talk for hours just about zoning and how those rules impact the home building world. I did want to my final quick question for you to wrap up with is... We went through a lot here and you've mentioned a a few forward-looking comments, you know, next three months, maybe it's next six months. What are you paying attention to in this conversation? What is our coverage paying attention to? What do you think would be the follow-up thing that people should stay tuned for um, as a what's next in this discussion?
1: Yeah, we're we're paying very close attention to uh, new home sales And existing home sales, you know that is always going to tell you the story of inventory, Um, but it's also going to tell you what the permitting looks like, you know. And the permitting is really where you kind of develop your forecasting model, right? Because that's going to tell you what people are actually planning. You know, they're putting in their pipelines. Um, So those are both um, key indicators for us and for our coverage. Um, But we're also looking at, you know, how these companies are responding to uh, the market shifts. A lot of real estate brokerages were still keeping their head above the water in in the second quarter of 2022. We're going to start to see the uh third quarter results come out over the next few weeks and and that's I think a better indication of how they're handling um you know uh, smaller margins, less volume, just less business, right? And and how they're thinking about uh their next steps. So that that's going to be really important. You know, we we didn't really touch on it, but JP Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, U.S. Bank, Bank of America—they have all uh, released their third-quarter earnings over the last, I guess, four or five days. And of those banks, only U.S. Bank is originating more mortgages uh, than they had been in the second quarter. You know, and, and these are banks that have a lot of advantages in in a market like this just because they are depositories. And so, you know, they have a lot of cross-selling opportunities. They have a lot of uh, you know, there's servicing incentives for them, of course, because they keep all the servicing rights. Um and and they're traditionally really good with jumbo loans. And the prices haven't fallen a lot in some markets. They're also really good with home equity. Uh HELOC's home equity loans and um, you know, even Bank of America, we saw a reduction um, Sequentially in home equity lending, and so that's not a great sign for them. So it's it's going to be really interesting. You know, I, I don't think that they're necessarily um, great indicators of what the non-banks are doing because they are very specialized, of course. Right, this is all they do—only mortgage lending. Um, but we were also seeing some of the non-banks that are looking toward other other areas. You know, more personal finance, getting into personal loans, getting into other. You know, Rocket, of course, is is fairly diversified, even though it's very much, you know, almost all of its revenue comes from mortgage lending, but they are looking to branch out. And, and, uh, so I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens in the third quarter results as to, you know, how much, uh, spend they're putting in on, uh, you know, other, other potential growth areas like personal loans or or you know car financing right or, or solar or you know all, all kinds of stuff so so that's going to be really interesting and and like I said just really seeing how the brokerage landscape looks um, because I think there are a lot of candidates to get bought up uh, to sell um, nobody's going public obviously in these markets so Keller Williams you know you're not going to see their IPO Better.com I don't think you're going to see their IPO right but um, it doesn't mean that the deals aren't going to happen.
0: We started off this podcast bringing color around busyness, and it sounds like the newsroom is quite, uh, there's no shortage of content to write about, um, especially in this housing industry. Um, there's many moving parts to your point of, you touched on solar, you touched on um, even this whole conversation about how are the big banks doing? We're only at the beginning of earning seasons to color on the home building market as well. So James, it's always a pleasure being able to chat with you. And thanks for diving into all this content for our listeners.
1: Thanks very much, Brenna.
0: How have the 2022 housing market forecasts changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW Plus, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the Housing Wire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.